the the meat of the podcast as I like to say um, what are you drinking this evening what is your beverage of choice well tonight is a, is a special night I'm going to open up a brand new well not a oh. brand new bottle of rum but a, a new rum to you and I it's one that I purchased mm. last year um, I think right about kept April it time I've kept nice. it this long because I was keeping it for our second series of the podcast which has now became this um yeah. and it is a rum from a little island in New Zealand called Waiheke. I'm okay. pretty sure Waiheke. that's how I see it. Um and sounds... there's actually a couple of rums made on this island. It's a little island just kind of off of maybe about an hour's boat off of Auckland. Very, very quiet, tranquil island. Right. And this uh, this rum is called Wild Days Rum. And it's made made from the natural rainwater, specially blended, doubly distilled, charcoal filtered and oak aged to give a fine, smooth taste like no other. And what I noticed just when I was, because I was admiring the colour of this, it's like a beautiful kind of deep red kind of auburn type thing. I held it up to the light to look at it and noticed there's um, chips of wood at the bottom. And then I read along the side here, oak chips in bottle continue the aging process. Do not eat. <laughs> Do not eat. Uh, that'd be awkward, wouldn't it? You put you put yourself a, <laughs> you put yourself a glug of that and you I'll just have a little you, garnish you slush there. it down and you end up fucking choking a bit of wood. No, and some wood. Um like a beaver. Um but this is it. It's, a, it's quite small batches they must do, because this is only barrel number twenty-three that this was bottled. Alright. Um so I'm quite excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop the cork right now do it man do it did you get it when you were in New Zealand yeah I got it in New Zealand oh, was it I was on the oh, actual island it. itself and I picked up a rum Very there was nice. actually I, I mentioned there was a second rum there I didn't buy it because it was way too expensive way way too it was like 150 pounds or like 200 pounds um, and it's because it was using water that was in a natural cave reservoir in the middle of the oh island God. or some shite like that. I was like, I'm not going to taste it because I'm probably going to mix this with Coke. Um, Sounds like snake oil that as well, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it's all this kind <laughs> yeah. of bullshit. Get you to buy it. On the nose, it smells really nice. It does have that kind of oak-barreled uh, smell to it. I'm going to mix it and give it a wee taste there. We wedge a lime, of course. And uh, let's let's have a little let's have a little sip. Oh, that's an interesting rum. It really Aye. is interesting. Aye. What's, what's, what's um, your first impressions? It tastes. It's got its own kind of unique palate. I don't know how to explain it. Well, I'm gonna let that. It's it's kind of tobaccoy. I don't know why. It, 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 to me, it tastes kind of tobacco for some reason. It could be. It could be. I'm not Gone. The heavy light, the day's done. 
Craig, what are you going to be drinking? What are, what are you joining me with? So, uh, I'm joining you in the sense that I'm also bringing a brand new to you and I rum to the table to this evening. Um, I was. I feel because we've obviously been doing these weekly, which we don't tend to do, um, and I don't want to be like. Oh, this week I've brought the same rum as I had last week. <laughs> so I've been trying to, like, my hardest to bring you something new, listener, and it's on you for you as well, Craig, you know, because we're, like, here, here sharing. Um, so I've bought um, a familiar brand, but a, a new variety from that brand. So the the, the brand is Coxpur. We know you yes. love a, a wee Coxpur. I, I uh, do, so co- although I, I feel like it's got too expensive these days. I remember buying it for like 12 quid a bottle. It um, used to be really, really cheap, oh, didn't it? I fucking um, loved it. I loved it. So this is from, is it, is it, it's Barbados, isn't it? Oh, let me just check that. I Barbados. Um, so this variety is the, it's called their Special Reserve Rum, and it's called Old Gold. Um, and it's distilled and aged uh, and blended in Barbados. It, says, it doesn't get any detail as age for like five years, seven years. It doesn't go into that any of that kind of detail. Um, but I did actually spot this open last weekend, um, and it has really got a nice depth of flavour to it. It's got that vanilla that you will get from like being in an oak barrel. It's got some nice soft kind of natural spices. A wee bit like you're saying with the wood. You. you it's it's taking some of the nice flavour from that without being overly spiced or synthetic. Um, one of the ways it, it recommends drinking this is it says to serve over ice or mix with ginger ale and a slice of lime to create the perfect Coxburg buying meal. Now, how I'm serving it, I did uh, intend to serve it exactly like that. And I went to the I went to the, the shop today uh, to get some ginger ale. I was like, oh, there we go, ginger ale, no bother. Two bottles of that, stuck that in the old trolley. When I got it home, poured one out um, shortly before getting on the podcast. I was like, that tastes a bit weird. I was like, I'm not sure if I like that. Went to get another one and, and I looked at the bottle and it says spiced orange ginger ale. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Well, that's Christmas. Exactly. So I've had to abandon that. Um, so I'm now drinking it with just your traditional uh, old Jamaica ginger beer and with lime. So it is a kind of Moscow Mule type thing, but uh, with this, and it does actually go really, really well. Uh, I'm enjoying it with the with the ginger beer. Um, I really good. It was a bit more expensive. This you, you probably balk at this when you're used to the old Coxburgh um, at twelve quid. This was about 34 quid. Um, it wasn't Do you know cheap. what, though? Do you know what? If it's old gold, I'm I'm sold because I, I believe that if they can make a good cheap rum, I'm sure they can make a good classy but rum that's as well. That. Do you know what? That was kind of part of my, my sort of my justification to myself, almost. And Appleton's a wee bit like that because you know the, the normal Appleton's and then you get a special, uh, not a special, right. what is it? Estate. Estate. Um, and then you get single barrel. It's like if they can make a relatively cheap rum taste really good. Imagine what they can do when it's they're giving a bit more care and attention and maybe aging it and stuff like that. So I highly recommend that one uh, to the casual rum drinker and also to your more kind of connoisseur types. It's uh, aye, very nice.
So back to the music in hand. Um, we've had a, we've, we've heard a we've heard uh, we've heard a little bit already, but we're, we're kind of digressing a, a little bit here um, and away from the the album of 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 sort of choice this evening. Um, which of course is, is Nirvana's very famous um, appearance on MTV Unplugged, which obviously ended up going on to be an album that I think was released after he died or just after he died, um, which kind of made it all the more sort of poignant uh, in, in many ways. And I think sort of retrospectively, people have tried to link stuff that he was saying and and that sh- that show and how with certain songs that he shows as being a little bit of a sort of um, clues to why he kind of went on and do, do what he did, unfortunately. But, um, I mean, I'm not I mean, too sure about that. I think so. Did he do it? Did he do it? Who knows? Who knows if he actually did do it? Who knows? We are not, we're not. We're probably not going to. We're not going to solve any mysteries tonight. Put it that way, um, and that's not. That's not the intention of this. <laughs> we leave that for uh, fucking MythBusters or whatever. Aye, fucking right. To be honest, um, but um, a little bit of the, I guess the some of the history leading up to this, and listening to it recently. One thing that strikes you, it's a very interesting uh, set list, so to speak. So if we look on there, there is there are only three tracks off of you know the 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 big hit uh, records. Um, Nevermind, um, and I know that Kurt was famously was not going to play um, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." There was no way that was going to happen. There's only three songs off there, and if you even look at the songs that he actually chose. Yeah, um, sorry, four songs off. Nevermind, the bigger pardon. Apart from Come As You Are, you've got Polly on a plane and Something In The Way. You know, Something In The Way is that eerie kind of last... Uh, something is that the last song In The Way. Yep, as that's the way and the Dungeon's po- cello. Yeah, and even Polly as well was quite a... I'm pretty sure On A Plane, though, was my favourite song off of Nevermind, so I was happy to see that it was on this. And that's a more of an upbeat one, to be fair. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, upbeat. I mean, it's 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 got energy to it. Um, but I, I mean, like up tempo. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing, and you're probably going to allude to this though, is that the covers are the thing that make this album to me. Absolutely. I mean, when we when we look at some of the the sort of makeup of a a really good live performance and a really good live album, and we've we've saw this across. Um, maybe not all, but certainly a lot of them. We've seen some really interesting covers across um, pretty much everything we've talked about, from the likes of Ty Seagal, um, certainly Thin Lizzy. Um, I mean, loads there. Most live performances tend to have a little bit of smatterings of covers, but this one in particular, we've actually got um, six covers. That's the cool thing about Kurt Cobain was that he really did want to champion the bands that he loved, um, we've talked about Daniel mm. Johnson before in the past and how Kurt Cobain really, really yeah. kind of adopted that. Um, obviously, we want to talk about the Vaselines today. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, he, definitely. And then you've got like the Meat Puppets that he covers on yeah. here. And, um, oh, what was the other folks' names? Uh, so that, it's the last song... Um, it's an old kind of classic folk song. That's that "Where Do You Sleep Last Night." And it, it, it was uh, it was arranged by Lead Belly, so Lead it's not Belly, necessarily it. their song. Um, 
but it's, it's meant to be an old kind of folk song that doesn't its origins are a wee bit up for debate and of course he's obviously got he's got the David Bowie song on there as well which is uh, well yeah I didn't want to kind of mention well we can we're obviously going to mention them but I don't think David Bowie really needed Kurt Cobain's help no to, no to, I to, definitely to didn't but even that cover though even that cover was interesting it wasn't like oh it's a great cover First song, the first song or the first track um, about a girl, about a girl, which comes from their first album, Bleach, um, <laughs> which was a very punky album, very heavy album, Aye. quite metally in some ways. Um, and this song is. I'm glad I love how he opens up. Like the very first thing he says, "This song's from our first album." You you probably don't know it, <laughs> something or what's mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Like you don't have this. But about a girl, great start to the album. And it's kind of been in the press recently, or in social media anyway. And uh, I wonder if you, because you you sort of turned me, you drew my attention to this, so to speak. So I want you to. Uh, oh, it's just my favourite uh, video. My favourite video yeah, right now. I don't know if you. Did we talk about this? this but I'm pretty sure we talked about this in Van Halen, but I don't know if it made the cut or not. Um, I don't think it made the cut. I must have I cut think it. Made the cut. Anyways, it wasn't yeah. as relevant. So, I mean, this is nearly a month old now, but when you're in lockdown, time doesn't really mean anything. This could be brand new to you. But no. um, obviously, because it was such a hit on the MTV Unplugged album, and it could be shown that it could be made into an acoustic version, bands are kind of yeah. known for covering this now in their acoustic sets. And one band that was kind of. I think they were kind of described as new grunge to go along with the new metal was Puddle of, Puddle of Mud. And they recently did like a, a session for a radio station and they were doing a cover of About a Girl. And my Lord, <laughs> it's, it's tragic. It's really, really difficult to watch. It's fucking um, there's, a, there's a mega cut where somebody has just cut all the bits where he's kind of straining, which I mean is probably most of the song. But if you can't handle listening to the full song, there's like a wee 30 second clip uh, just showing your man from uh, oh, Puddle of Mud really struggling. And he's fucking, it's, he looks like he's about to have an aneurysm. Like his eyes are about to pop right. open and he's like foaming at the mouth. Um, his neck muscles going to explode like his, his veins going to pop his neck or something like that it's uh, it's very painful to watch and he looks in, 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 in pain as you say um, but then when you watch Kurt Cobain deliver this it's absolutely effortless uh-huh. um, that's it's because, so nonchalant it's because the poor bastard was trying to um, emulate a performance instead of just perform it himself like he, like he tried just too hard himself. to make his voice sound like Kurt Cobain's he thought he was on stars in the rice. Type <laughs> Matthew. I will be cooking.
Come As You Are, which is one of my favourites from from Nevermind. That that bass line by Chris Novosley, which is like absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I really love the acoustic bass on this. And, and Dave Grohl's drumming is really understated, but just really sort of I'm sure he's wearing a, I love he's got those sure he's wearing a turtleneck as well. And his hair's is, like really nice pulled back. That. <laughs> ah, he's probably the smartest one there. He's got that pull backed hair. But he he was always the kind of the the Jason Newstead of the band in the way that like Kurt Cobain usually used him as a I don't want to say bully, but he definitely tried to ridicule him. Um, But like this is where Dave Grohl really got to show off his vocal skills, his like personality as well because it was finally getting recorded onto an album. Him chatting and being upbeat and being Mister Fucking Nice. Um, But no, I, I do I do enjoy that. And I think Dave Grohl really shone on this album. Another person that when mm. you're watching the album, the the you that you see a lot is Pat Smear. Yeah. Um, Pat Smear. From, yeah. Uh, to mention that. From what do you call them? He was in the uh, germs, wasn't he? The germs. The germs. Yeah. And then he he did join Dave Grohl to record, I think right he's on five of their albums, which is unreal. The Foo uh, Fighters. The Foo Fighters, yeah, yeah. But then I always forget the Foo yeah, Fighters yeah, have yeah. done a fucking shit ton of albums that I've no, never I listened have, to. to be fair. I just love, I love, um, we talk about that time in music as well. Like when, when your formative years, there's so many rumors going around when you watch things and people just make shit up all the time and they, and they sell it off as, as, as truth. So I remember always mm. people telling me that Pat Smear was like, Nobody knew who Pat Smear was, and he was like this little foreign guy that they just asked to come on MTV. <laughs> <laughs> and like, when you get older, you start realizing, no, that's fucking Pat Smear. Like, he toured with them and everything. But also, like, there's a rumor out there that I remember that Pat Smear left the Foo Fighters because he married Dave Grohl's ex-wife. So like, what? Just just before this podcast, I was like, surely that can't be right. So I went into Pat Smear's no. Wikipedia, didn't mention anything about, apart from it just says Pat Smear has a wife. Like it literally just said it, Pat Smear has a wife. It doesn't even say who she was. <laughs> so I googled it, it said Pat Smear's wife. And then, this is the best thing ever that came up. You know when you Google something it shows kind of popular videos? Um, the right. most popular videos for Pat Smear, when you type in Pat Smear wife, the first two videos are about the size of Pat Smear's cock. Um, what? So, <laughs> it's, it's here. Um, the first one says, rocker Pat Smear has a huge instrument, dot, 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 in his pants. And then the other one says, Nirvana guitarist Pat Smear, dash, huge dong, wife says. So there you go. Pat Smear's got a massive cock, according to his wife. There you go. I still don't know his wife's name. Yeah, I don't know. You, you spot her though, she, she kind of walks a bit funny, apparently. Come as you are, as you were, as I want you to be, as a friend, as a friend, as I And quite quite quickly into the album follows one of the, the first of, of many covers. Um, and it is uh, a band you mentioned earlier on. 
And it is uh, the Vaseline's um, a band that obviously has got quite a bit of um, resonance with us, um, being from from Glasgow. And, and the song is Jesus Don't Want Me For A Sunbeam. And now this is a really interesting track because definitely my favourite on the album, not even because of that, because I didn't know who the Vaseline's were at that time, I'll be honest. Um, but you've got that um, Chris Snowsley, which plays the accordion on this track. Aye. And I just love the way this song's better than Vaseline's. I know that sounds a bit southern. That was actually southern, pretty good. I think that, that sounded just like him. And do you remember he once referred to Eugene Kelly from the Vaseline's as a genius? He famously called him a genius. And I think it went to Eugene Kelly's head a wee bit because <laughs> he released stuff under the name Eugenius, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he did, aye. But this wasn't the first time that um, Nirvana had covered the Vaselines. He's actually covered them no. uh, three times on two separate occasions because Insecticide has uh, covers the Son of a Gun and Molly's Lips as well. That's so like, he That's definitely, it. definitely uh, um, had huge respect for the Vaselines. Um, I have a connection to the Vaselines as well. I know I talk about this all the time, but... Um, in yeah. my former profession, I used to teach people how to use their computer, and I used to teach Frances uh-huh. McKee. Um, taught her a lot. I taught her for years. Uh, I even taught her kids as well. Um, but she's great, absolutely great. And then they reformed round about the time I was um, training them. So they reformed two thousand eight, and that's when they brought out like Vias for Vaselines and all that sort of stuff. But the Vaselines are great. Ah, cool. No, I've, I've seen Eugene Kelly live. I think I've seen him supporting. I can't even remember. I'm pretty sure I saw him at the QMU uh, doing an acoustic mm. set, and I think they just invited him down there because he lived round the corner. So again, we kind of jumped about a bit, but I wanted to quickly circle back on the on the on the alcohol front. How is that that interesting island-based New Zealand smoky woody rum? How is it? Um, I don't really know. I still don't know how to describe it because, in a way, I'm torn because I do like it, but it also t- it also tastes really chemically. Oh really? But I could be just imagining that. Maybe that's just what good rum tastes I know, like. Oh man, it's like I'm so confused these days, man. I'm I'm trying. I think both of us are trying a lot of new stuff. We're experimenting, and a lot of the time Aye. it doesn't pay off. Let's be honest. And you sometimes think cause in your head, you're, "This will be good. It sounds great. I've paid a fair bit for it. I've got it from somewhere exotic," and then you're a bit like, "Hmm." Maybe I we've just discovered that we should be sticking with the classics. Maybe that's what it maybe, is. Maybe, but I'm also discovering that what you mix it with is uh, quite important. Because I've mixed some stuff with... Really? Like, I, I, I'm beginning to think that more and more. I didn't you, you used to think that. I thought we'd on my rum. You can do a bit of that and a bit of that. But I'm actually starting to think that more. 
in terms of what you mix it with, if it's Coke, if it's ginger ale, if it's ginger beer, if it's apple juice, if it's, you know, whatever. I do think it's got more of a, uh, a bearing on, on yes. their tastes. But anyway, to get back to the album and to sort of wrap this podcast up, so we're not we're not taking up too much of your your precious listening time, lockdown um, time. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, just because you've got what's well, lockdown. We know time. your commutes are a lot shorter now, so you can't listen to us uh, for too absolutely. long. Absolutely, that's the thing. That's the thing. Um, we don't want to take that for granted. But um, moving back to the album, we talked obviously about the Bowie track. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was. Um, the addition of the Meat Puppets. So at the time, um, the Meat Puppets were touring with Nirvana. So they were on tour. And again, this was back to Cobain's like, ah, oh, fuck that. I don't really want to do this. Well, I'm going to bring the Meat Puppets on. We're going to play like... And they play three of their tracks in a row, which is mental. Um, and <laughs> uh, But they play uh, Oh Me, Lake of Fire, which is pretty cool. And I'm trying to think of the third one off the top of my head. Uh, without without looking it up. Plateau. It was the first Plateau. one they did. That's the that's one where guitar kind of slightly kind of... You kind of... I completely forgot that they did three Meat Puppet, meat puppet songs in a row. In and a row. it is like... In, like incongruous to even think about that, that they got away because people... Remember, this is MTV Unplugged Nirvana, yeah. and they play three songs by another Mental. fucking band who isn't like it isn't like oh yeah that's that's a great one to cover. They just literally just played their support band's songs, which is <laughs> such a huge honor for that other band, yeah. and it'll probably keep them financially sound for a oh, long time because they were oh, the songwriters on that album. And as you said, I didn't even think about that. You know, the band probably, although they were kind of critically acclaimed, probably didn't sell that many records. Um, but now, you know, multi-platinum, MTV Unplugged, there's three of their songs on there. They're, they're fucking creaming the royalties. So, like, fucking great. Aye. Well done. Well done. Yeah, so there should be. this out I just wanted to highlight um, other maybe the tracks we've, we've, we've talked about or even if we have sp- spoke about it what's your, what's your favourite what's your standout on this what's your what, uh, what's it your... has to be my favourites I think are the are the last two tracks so that would be um, <laughs> All Apologies All Apologies which I think is incredible um, nah, although I, I, I really fucking love that track on In Utero as well I think the Utero tracks actually stand out here because uh, Dumb is such a good track on there as well. Um, and Penny Royalty. But then I really do enjoy um, I really enjoy that that closing track because it gets dark and gloomy and like Kurt Cobain's voice is perfect for that cover. Mm. Um, and you can hear the anguish and the pain and he's screaming where it's like throughout the rest of the album like yes there's been some dark songs but that's really 
Yeah, he goes absolutely. for it. He goes for it, and I mean, when you're seeing a band live, you see them go for it on the last track, and generally that's like with electric guitars and get really distorted. But in this, the only thing that he can do is scream harder. Yeah. No, totally, totally. Um, and that's that's one thing that I, I guess maybe the time you sort of drawn towards the the kind of power and the the harmony I mean it is very melodic never mind you're kind of drawn to it but as you look at the band a bit more and know a bit more about them actually In Utero is the, is the album that you want to go back and listen to for me um, and I do think they are the more standout tracks but you make a great point in the way that the album closes out and I think that's where sort of posthumously people are looking at those connections between the the emotions of those last tracks but to be honest, I think there may be... I put a bit too much on that. And on that almighty fucking closing remarks, um, if, I can, if I can give myself that kind of praise, um, <laughs> we will, uh, I think we'll draw this particular podcast to, an, to a conclusion. Love chatting to you again, Craig. Uh, listeners, thanks very much for tuning in and we will see you again next week. My girl.